Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Welcome to the podcast. It's RGM Experience time. And I'm Carl Maloney, the host of today's show. How are you doing, guys? You're right. I've been looking forward to bringing you this guest for a long time. Fellow Yorkshireman. Uh, first saw him do stand-up many, many years ago. We talk about it in the interview. I'll not go into too much detail. I've been so excited about bringing this episode to you. And it's with Scott Bennett, ladies and gentlemen. Headlining comedian. Been on Live, on the, live at the Apollo recently. Uh, playing at Tramlines Festival in Sheffield. Can't wait to see that. Just been announced this week. And that's the guest coming up on the show today. But first, let's kick back. I'll have a little chat like we usually do. So how's your week been, guys? Did you get all the, uh, all the things sorted that you've been getting round to now? Now January's out of the way and we need to kick on in with the year. Come on, arsing gear, let's get it done. I've had a medical procedure this week. All stems from this throat problem thing that I've been having. Feels like there's a lump in your throat, but it's not there. Had it all checked out, there's no nasty things or anything. But it keeps coming back to uh, acid reflux. On Monday, I had a test. Um, uh, I had a robot inside me, what I told you about recently. This robot has diagnosed me as having high acids. So that's that. Uh, and that's basically uh, interfering with my throat. It gives me dry throat and that kind of stuff. Losing my voice and that kind of stuff. And just a few issues up there, which isn't ideal when you're doing podcasts. But hey-ho, we roll on. And yeah, so I went to see a specialist down at the Spire Hospital in Manchester. Nice little place there. And the bottom of my esophagus type, esophagi thing, is too loose and acid's coming up, apparently. So they need to do a surgery on it to close it up a little bit. So that's exciting. But they won't do it till I lose a stone and a half. So here we go. Uh, so yesterday I were down Deansgate at the gut clinic, chilling. Uh, with my people down there, my, my gut people. Um, and, yeah, they, they had to put this little tiny thing down my nose into the stomach and keep it there for, like, half an hour while they gave me little sups on s- salty water. Horrendous. Um, just to test the strength of my esophagi, or esophagus, as some people call it. It's, it's perfectly fine. I, I can have the treatment. You know, I'll be, it's strong enough for me, for me to be able to have um, an operation on the down there. Just need to lose a stone and a half, though. It weighed me anyway. It was a bit of a shock. Um, Christmas pounds. It's still there. Um, so, so that's my little news. What have you been up to? 
It's all exciting stuff, I suppose. Hanging around goat clinics. It's all rock and roll. But in between all that bollocks, and I won't be tweeting about my weight loss journey as well, because nobody wants to read or be entertained, or is entertained by the news that you've been to the gym or you've, you've done certain things on social media. It's probably the worst and most boringest thing anybody could ever post. It basically means you've got nothing else going on in your life. I'm only joking. It does a bit. But I don't like to see it. It is, it is very... It, the, the worst thing that it is, is very, very dull. Very dull. So I won't be doing that. And I'm not going to keep updating you every week. I'm just letting you know what me, what's been up to in my week. You know, I live a normal life. Um, just thought I'd share where I am. It's nice to be open and talk about things, isn't it? Let's talk. And one thing that I do do is have a bloody good chat with Scott Bennett. Coming up next. There's a ticket link in the podcast description on YouTube and on the podcast, wherever you're listening to us right now. So grab yourself a ticket for Scott's tour. You won't be disappointed. If you've got a tramlines, he's on the big comedy tent at tramlines on the Friday. I'm definitely going to be like that. Um, he's started a new podcast as well that we talk about. So there's a link to check out his podcast. Brew with the Bennetts. Him and his missus. Um, yeah, so just check it out. It's like you're at home with them and they're, uh, they're ever such a nice couple, it seems. And it feels like you're in the house and they just talk about normal things that couples do or don't do. Um, which is really interesting and I just really enjoyed the chat and hope my enthusiasm for this episode rubs off on you guys and you enjoy it too. So... RGM World, yeah, RGM World's been quite busy this week. It's gone absolutely mental. Submissions again, off the scale, loads of new releases. Check out rgm.press for all the latest news, interviews. We've started cataloguing a lot of stuff now, so so things like Tramlines, the festival, they're all catalogued together. It helps the SEO and all that kind of stuff. So I've been doing loads of stuff behind the scenes to try and help and improve the, in, the infrastructure. Mainly tips that I got from last week's guests. Uh, Nigel Carr from Louder Than War magazine that, that is like an SEO expert and you know director of Louder Than War and it's what they do so he's helped me out with some tips which is great so I've been doing trying to do loads of that working hard playing hard oh I've got a big gig tonight I'm going down to Atma in Manchester tonight I'm going to meet Sam Sam Shiner in real life previous guest of the podcast She's DJing down there, uh, and it's like a, it's a sold-out gig. There's no tickets left, so it doesn't matter about talking about it. Uh, but I'll let you know about it next week. Love meeting people in real life, and we've had a chat to on the podcast. Uh, so, yeah, busy day. So, guys, welcome to another week. Hope you all enjoy um, this week's festiveness and activities. Here is our chat. Scott Bennett. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new episode of the podcast. And I've, I've, I'm joined by Scott Bennett, comedian, ladies and gentlemen. And I, I want more comedians on, on the podcast as well, because you end up being great guests. So, 
Oh, no Cause, pressure. Because you're, you're funny, which is yeah, probably yeah. shouldn't be a surprise. But um, yeah, thanks for joining us on the podcast, Scott. It's very much appreciated. Where do, where do we Thank find you today? Thank you. I am in my dining room, which mm. sounds grander than it actually yes. is. It sounds like I'm, you know, in the wing. I'm in yes. the in the sec in the West Wing dining mm. room. Like, nice. uh, but no, I'm in the dining room, which um, is interesting because uh, we're actually having a builder come in a couple of weeks to mm. knock this all through because oh, we've God. lived in this house for like, uh, oh God, it's a long time, fifteen years, I think, mm. and we haven't done anything. Uh, so we've we've got a little kitchen. So when you're cooking in the kitchen, it's like being like yes. in a proper like staff. Yes. You're sort of hidden away in a little tiny kitchen, and everyone's having a great time in the front room watching telly, and you're sort of squirreling away, working <laughs> and slaving. So I'm thinking now, like we're gonna we're gonna have open plan. It's been a long oh. time coming. Oh. So this is probably the last two weeks. This room will be like this, and it's gonna it's gonna be absolute yeah absolute chaos then. Uh, so that's yeah. that's what's going to we're, happen. We're, we're, I've just had a bloke round this morning. I've just had a man in to come and um, mm. have a look at a new kitchen downstairs. Oh, it's when you, it's when you know you're opening yourself up to just just pain. giving money, pain, <laughs> pain, financial pain. As, so, your, uh, as Yorkshireman, so, it's not good, is it? Oh no, because <laughs> I know as well. It's like it's like one of those things where. Once it starts, I'm just going to be grumpy yes. for about a, a six, six, well, however long. I'm really optimistic there. Aren't I? I'm going to be grumpy for six weeks, but yeah. it'll be turning to six months and I'll yeah. turn into a year and then we'll be having Christmas dinner in the shed and it'll be awful. And, the, and they'll but find damp. Like yeah, and then it'll be like, what do you want? Do you want dimmer switches? <laughs> or do you want like these these LED eye retina switches that are 40 grand, yes. but they save you 20 quid a year in your gas electric? Oh, yeah, stick them in, mate, yeah. <laughs> You know, I just thought, would you like a gold leaf on your radiator? <laughs> yeah, put yeah, that in. Before you know it, it's like Kardashians or something, just skin. So, yeah, I, I'm fully braced for the, yes. for the uh, upheaval, but yeah. it starts in a couple of weeks. Have you got any control over the changes? No. 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 Me neither. no. This wasn't, this is not my idea, mate. No. If I, it, no. I think as well, if it was up to me, and I think, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I'm assuming most men are the same. I'm not very practical. <laughs> no. Um, so I would just if I I would just live in this house and occasionally paint it, mm. and that would be my lot, really. Yeah. You know, and uh, and then I, but then like I know we've it's been a long time coming. It literally is like the kitchen's falling apart, like the the doors are falling off and stuff. Yeah. And it's like I think at some point you're like, yeah, we've got to do something. Yeah. But the pain from now <laughs> to then, like people are like. It made me laugh. Someone went, are you moving out? Well, you have your improvements done. No, because we're not millionaires. <laughs> yeah, do, exactly. We're, we're going to live in it, mate. We're going to be having a kitchen in the hallway. We're going to be in the front room and we're going to be living upstairs. <laughs> That'll be like, this will be out of bounds. This is going to be like chaos down it. So yeah, bracing myself. Yes, me too, mate. You too, mate. So how, how long, when did you start in comedy? How long, how many years have you been doing it now? Oh, I've been doing it. I started in October 2009. So, but I remember mm. it was like a first gigs, like a gong show where they do these gigs where you, it was like nine people above a pub in yeah. Nottingham and there's hardly anyone in and you go and you do. Was it a spiky mic one? Yeah. So you you like, you have, you can vote you off with like these glow sticks. Mm. I've been stuff. on one. I've had a go at one. Have you been on one? Yeah. They're, they're I mean, quite I, weird, I, I, I did stand up for a year and I didn't quite take to it, but I've done a few gong shows in my time through my spiky yeah. mic ones. Yeah. Ruthless so they things. You can, can bin you off, can't they? After yeah. two minutes. They're like, we, we don't like him for even two minutes of our lives. Yeah. Get off. <laughs> uh, so, 
So I did that for the first gig and it went well. And mm. then I sort of came away thinking, oh God, this is like the worst thing that could happen in a way. Because now I'm thinking I'm going to do it again. And then mm. and then before you know it, yeah. So sort of 2009 I started and then what are we now? 22. So yeah, it's been a long time. I, I only gave up my day job though in um, 2017, mm. end of 2017. So it's been it's been a long time coming. I think the first time, the first time I saw you live was a, in, at the Grapes in Sheffield a long, oh long time ago. God, you were the headliner. I remember that gig. I remember that uh, gig. The, it was the Grapes of Wrath. It were called. The, yeah, the Grapes. Is I remember no, it. The Grapes is no longer there as a music. I used to yeah. play there in the band and that kind of stuff years what, ago. What, what's the street? Tippet Street. Trippet. Trippet Lane. Trippet Lane. Street. Trippets Lane. Yeah, that's. I remember. I, I remember because they'd done tickets as well, mm. saying the great. They'd like done it as like a proper gig. Yeah, and I, I, re, I even remember that night because it's like a tiny little cupboard you're yep. in in the bottom. I God, I remember that. It's an old, old lady's living room now because I, I went to because it's uh, the Arctic Monkeys supported my band the first ever gig they did on that stage. Wow, which is a bit of history not- for me. And I went up to just see what it looks like now, and the landlady let me up there, and it's just a little old lady's living room now. You can't put a blue plaque on the wall. No, nothing. Like, yes, in fact, she has. Yes, it's Scott Bennett, was he? Ah, yeah, very good, very good. Uh, but yeah, it's, that's amazing. Yeah, it, it was. It was a really good venue, actually. It was, yeah. it was really good. But I remember, I remember doing that. Yeah, a long time. About was 20, 2010, 20, was no, 2009, 2009, yeah. I think that was. And you were headlining then, so it didn't take you that long to start headlining. Were you a were you a headliner at the, that time? Were you? A, like, no, I think. Was it no, like I one of your first I, shots at headlining? Type thing? Yeah, I think I think what happened, I think it was like 30 quid or something. And mm. I, I think what happened was, is when I started, I think if when you do comedy, you can sound like a comic, even mm. though you might not have all the, the quite, the material might not quite be there. Mm. So I think I was able to do the performance side of it because I'd watched so much comedy and I understood mm. the rhythm of it and the mechanics of it. So I, I was able to sort of sell my stuff really well. I, I think that was yeah. kind of what it was, rather than being like, oh, this is easy. It wasn't. And I think that's all it was. And then, yeah, so, I mean, it took a long time to to get, I mean, with anything, like if you you know, you did music, you know, it's two, one to two years is an apprenticeship in it. And you're doing like, mm. you know, you, you're working and grafting around the country, you're getting odd bits of money to cover your fuel and that. And then I think it started started to get more serious sort of 2012, I think. 2012, mm. 2013 was when I was like, oh, I'm getting odd paid weekends here yeah. and there. And and then it sort of, it really accelerated sort of 15 onwards. Well, you know, how long did it, it take really... to get from the gong shows to uh, to being considered for headline slots or mid-card oh, slots? Or... I would say, I would say, well, smaller gigs, it was about two years. But mm. then like to be doing where I am now, which is, like headlining the comedy store, mm. it has taken a decade. A lot of people That's... don't see that, do they, behind the scenes? I, that night at the yeah. Grapes, just to reflect on it one more time, Kerry Pritchard McLean were on the bill. I remember her yeah. being on it. Yeah. And, you know, she's like in only just really gone mainstream in the last couple of years or so on and being on the telly yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So people, when I've had chats with comedians, I always like to um, celebrate the hard work. and But people will look at comedian on the telly and think that's easy. But they they, they, yeah, yeah. they don't fully appreciate the ten fifteen years that have gone on before that, traveling up yeah. and down the countries, traveling to Nottingham to do a gong show, getting paid nothing for two minutes, traveling yeah, by yeah. your petrol to you know wherever you are living and all that kind of yeah. all that hard work and graft and travel. Yeah, well, it's, it is you you you're experiencing all those little gigs count towards 
Mm. Like it's all experience and it all, everything you learn from every single one of those. So like every one of them is important to build you to where you're going. Mm. You don't feel it at the time. You just feel like this is going nowhere. And you do have conversations with yourself, particularly when I was like Mm. working and doing gigs as well and missing like family time and then just being knackered all the time. And then I was just thinking, why am I doing this? And then you, you sort of, you see, you feel where it's going. That's the, that's mm. the difference. You sort of build and build on it. And I think that's the kind of what makes it addictive and equally feel like a mental illness. <laughs> when did you <laughs> realise, you? when did you re- first realise you were funny? Like going back to like um, young Scott at school and that we always uh, thinking well, that I wa- fucked I, about. I wasn't, I wasn't really. I was sort of like, I was a bit weird and shy, mm. like when I was at, at a little school a little bit nervous and that yeah not much confidence and then when i got to sort of high school i think there was like a lot of comedy on telly so it was like a lot of like harry enfield and there was like lots of like funny stuff that had and red dwarf and that became sort of my personality in a weird way i sort of like used that to make people laugh because i could do like I, i remembered lines and and like that's when it started really i think i would have been 12 mm. when I sort of started watching lots of comedy young ones was on a lot and I was like oh, and then I really got into it so I was like watching Blackadder and like even older stuff Faulty Towers Steptoe yeah. and Son and I was watching that at about 12 my dad had all the videos and stuff so it was all from that age and I think that just planted in my head and then I pretty much from that point on pretty obsessed with comedy and then I never actually stepped on a stage until I was 31 though it took yeah, a long wow. time yeah to, to do that, you know. I think comedy is different, completely different to music, because when you turn mid-20s in, in the music industry, you got, in a strange and wrong kind of way, you kind of like disregard of it being too old. It's mental. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. But think- as, as a comedian, you can start later on in life and make a career of it. I think because because you've got the experience, I think comedy is all about yeah. collecting collecting experience and thought and and also with comedy, unlike music, you can get you, you tend to get better and better with music. I suppose you write better stuff mm. and you experiment more, or you but you can still start with an amazing debut album. Like you, you know, you can mm. still come out of the blocks with something incredible. Whereas with comedy, there's a craft and a chipping away at it. And you do get better at it. And that's why it's uh, different. I think interestingly with music, though, I think comedians look at musicians' audiences with a little bit of envy. Because mm. I've thought this so many times. It's like if you pick up a guitar, strum a couple of chords, and then at the end they'll clap whether they liked it or not. Like Because it's like a Pavlovian thing. Yeah. The, the music's finished, now clap. With comedy, it's just not like that, is it? It's like there's just like a brutal judgment yeah. where they can just go, no, and you go, right. <laughs> It's just weird. And especially when you see like pop-up uh, comedy venues that aren't really set up and the, and the, and the crowd aren't aware of the etiquette of a comedy crowd oh. where they're just talking all the way through it. Like, like you know, a, a lot of, uh, I, I go to a lot of gigs and music gigs in particular as well. And the crowd are talking through the band that are playing, which is rude and wrong. Um, but if, if, if whoever's set up the comedy night hasn't been through the rules and the etiquette of a comedy crowd, then that's, it can be a nightmare, that, can't it? Well, it is. I often sort of wonder about that because I always think comedy's got such a lo-fi setup, like it's Mm. a microphone, sometimes not even a mic stand. It's just one microphone in the corner, might not even have a light. It'll give him the, he can talk. (laughs) 
So it's like they feel like sometimes it's one up from a quiz, yeah. isn't it? That's the thing. And sort of like, I always think like, you know, you get that sort of thing where people walk in. I always like to think people would walk into an abattoir, look at all the swinging meat <laughs> and like a corrugated roof with water coming down it and go, well, get we'll do comedy in here on a Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Three, three quid entry, we'll just move the meat. Move the meat, a couple of hay bales to soak up the blood on the floor. Well, that'll be cracking, that. You know, we got to get one light. We don't, we don't even need a light, we'll just do it. And then when it goes dark, just hold a torch up. And I, I've done venues where you just go, this isn't a gig, this is mm. just like a man screaming into the darkness. But, but it is, I think that sometimes, but when you start out, you literally have to... I've done gigs in corners of pubs where, and as soon as you walk up to it and you see free entry, you just think, right, yeah. okay, so that's no, they might as well put, this audience is not invested yeah. underneath free entry. This is going to be a nightmare. And you sort of walk <laughs> up and you always, I remember doing a gig on this like veranda. Like it was like a, like a, it looked like a veranda thing with a little bit of carpet and you stood there using a mic from the, like the the DJ's thing, which is like on a meter lead, like you're like tethered like a dog outside a <laughs> shop, you know, sort of like tethered, and then you sort of um, you you sort of like that, and then and then you just sort of having to fight for the attention of people who are having yeah. carveries and shit, and you just think, and as you get further into the the you, you try in your head, you're thinking I could still get a win out of this because yeah. that's what comedians are like. I could still I could still make this work. Oh like, great, there's you, a stag doing. Yeah, <laughs> Everybody's yeah. Worst that, that some <laughs> someone playing the fruit machine. You think, I'll just time it time his jackpot with the punchline. <laughs> and and you sort of like, but as a comedian, you think you can get a win out of this? Mm. And you think well, that's stupid, isn't it? Have you always you had that? Have you, have you always had that mentality where I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to win? You've, yeah, you've got to to survive, haven't you? Just, all comedians do. If I could turn all this comedians. round, I can turn anything around. Yeah, all comedians would walk into a wake and see the flowers on the coffin mm. and and think, well, it's still playable. <laughs> There's a curtain behind me. I mean, it is the crematorium, but there is a curtain. Yeah, and and you you feel like as a comedian, you can you can make that work. So I think yes, there is horrendous gigs that you do. Um, but you sort of you lose that though as time goes on yeah. the ability to fight for a gig. I think yeah. you, you just get as you do better gigs. You just think I can't. You stop being able to play that because yeah. you don't play it the same way. Yeah, it's weird. Do you feel a bit more of a responsibility to the people around you as a headliner? So if you so if you, if there's a, a a new young starter, it might be second, third, fourth gig or whatever. Mm. How, yeah. how do you how do you feel like you've got a responsibility to help the people around you? Yeah, I think I think as well. You do get asked a lot of advice and stuff, mm. and I I think I, it's quite simple. I think a lot of people say, "Oh, do you know how do you get this or how do you get yeah. to there?" And I, and I think there's no answer. The only answer I know is how I did it, which was to write all the time and gig mm. graft. And I, I think that's what people don't want to hear. Sometimes is that it's there's no work. way really, you know, without mm. flogging yourself. That's the answer. Did you did you have somebody around you that helped you on the way up? Yeah, I think it was a lot of people. I think um, I think I, I saw. Well, yeah, I think it was a lot of people who I saw with families who mm. were doing comedy, like Rob Rouse and people like Ben Norris, who were doing comedy but also had a family life, and, mm. and that was inspiring for me because I thought, oh, they're managing to not torpedo their personal lives mm. for this which is very easy to do. 
and and that was really good. So they were sort of inspiring, really, in a way. But it was more it was more people like I I'm out the same comedic year as Kiri Pritchard McLean as like um, I'm just trying to think who else is in our group. Brennan Reese, Adam Rowe. There's a lot of people in our like leavers year, if you like, mm-hmm. of when we started, who have all gone on to be do great things. And I think it was like that sort of inspiring of like writing and gigging and working really hard and getting better. And I think that was a collective sort of looking yeah. at these people and thinking, oh, you see, you can do it. You just got to keep working really, really hard, you know. Did so you, that was pretty much You said you started about, about age of 31. Do you feel like you held yourself back a little bit because you saw you didn't think it was possible to do this and have a family? Um, no, I think, I think to be perfectly honest with you, I started late because I thought I can't, I've, I've got a career now. I had a proper job and mm. like we were in, like they had one child and then we had a house mortgage and stuff. And it's very easy to go, why would I want to upset this equilibrium in my yeah. life? And, and some days I still feel like that because it is really hard, you know, like it's a really difficult job to balance sometimes this, but then, and then, I think, uh, but being 31, I think I was quite ready for it. And I think I, I don't know what made me do it. I still don't know. I I, I don't know if it was like a, a crisis or whatever, but I think I just thought if I don't do this, then I'll never do this. And I think, mm. I think it's one of those things that when you discover you're good at something and it's a passion and I never, ever felt like I didn't want to go and do a gig. Didn't care where it was, didn't care how much money I was being paid. Even now, like if someone said to me, you know, it's a Tuesday night and it's 130 quid in Swindon or something, even now I'd be like, mm, yeah. you know, it's Tuesday night, isn't it? What are you going to do <laughs> on a Tuesday? And it's the it's not the money really, although if anyone's watching or listening, obviously <laughs> I'd need to be paid properly. But it's more it's more the actual, the first thought is the gig, really. Yeah. And I've actually done gigs before where I've, done the gig, had a great time, come out, sat in the car and thought, oh, God, I never got my money. I had to go back uh-huh. in. Because it's that, I've enjoyed it that mm. much. I thought, oh, right, because that, that's how you think in your head. You think, well, that's what it's about. And it is what it's about. You're not doing, no one's doing comedy to be rich. Yeah. That's the truth. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I recently listened to Jimmy Carr's book and there's a big section in his book about the craft of a joke and the, and the formulas, formulas that he uses uh, to create laughs at certain points, and when he's playing with the audience, and uh, and he's in yeah. the zone, and he's and you know he, he tries different things out. But what kind of uh, systems do you use to uh, to keep the jokes coming? Um, I tend to what I tend to use is I tend to come up with an idea and I'll type it in my phone, mm. and then I'll and then I'll sort of write it longhand, and then I'll do sort of spirographs of like where I think the punchlines is. And then I take it to a new material night. That's the first thing to do. You can have as many yeah. ideas as you like, but until they're working on stage, then nothing. So then I take it to a, a new material night and try and do it and then just sort of chip away at it and, and add bits. And bits are never finished. They can take yeah. years to, to fully go, oh, that, that's working as good as I want it to work now and move on. Do you memorise it to- at that stage? Yeah, yeah, and I tend to sort of noodle away at it. and okay. I, But I've, I've started going up there a bit looser at New Material Nights with an idea mm. because as you get to be a better comedian, you can sell stuff better. So you're sort of in your head. You think, well, I can, I can, I, I know I'm going to make this funny, even if I don't know where it's going, because yeah. I, I, I'm always going to workshop it with the audience. And that's the confidence you get after a, 
lot of gigs. So like a, just a bullet point, and then you just workshop yeah. the idea over a few Precisely. gigs. Precisely. Yeah. So there's a couple of ideas I've got now about like being an adult at a kid's birthday party, mm-hmm. which I think has got a really good mileage. And it's like the parents, always. everyone always thinks about the kids, mm-hmm. but then effectively the parents are having their own party. Because as a parent, you're only there because you're connected to the kid. Yeah. So you have this weird hierarchy structure. And I think like, there's a really funny idea in the fact that you meet in all these parents that you've never met, just sort of having to do small talk with them next to some sausage rolls. It's so <laughs> weird. And then like, it's just like a really weird sort of hierarchy of whose kid's got the best party and, <laughs> and all this sort of stuff. And, and the, you know, have the provided a drink for the parents because that sort of like, yes. there's, there's a lot of tension. So there's like, there's that. And, and so I'll take that idea, which is parent at a kid's birthday party, and I will yeah. write it and where I think it could go. And then I'll take it on stage, I'll record it on my phone, I'll film it, and then I'll just keep working it and go yeah. to new material nights. So I try and book in new material nights all the time. And, and that never stops. I mean, that even, you could be a touring comedian doing arenas. You, you've still got to run out of new material. Yeah. Brilliant. And, well, like the craft of a joke and all that kind of stuff and all the different ways and techniques that pe- that, that work for people just fascinates me. I just, I'm just yeah. always interested to know how the magic happens and it, well, all, every, it, every, well, it always yeah, comes down to graft, doesn't it? Yeah. And everyone's got their own way of doing it. And I think, I think that's the thing. I think you, you have to work a joke mm. to, to or work a bit. It's all about bits and routines. Yeah. It's all about, how opening routines, closing routines, they're the hardest. You know, what are you opening with? What are you finishing with? They're, they're always the, the a nightmare because you, <laughs> you, you've you got to hit the ground running. The opening one's important, but the closing one's just as important. Because that's what they remember, yeah, aren't they? The, the, yeah. They remember that more than The, the, the goodbye bit, yeah. Well, the one of my favourite sketches of yours, and I saw it, on you recorded it and put it on Facebook, is the one around watching and watching a film quite late at night and it, and to yeah. you it's like madness how, how are we going to get through this like putting a film yeah, like because yeah. i'm 43 are you a similar kind of age 42 yeah but, so yeah. the idea of <laughs> and and, it, and it's kind of annoying that i didn't think of it and made something funny of it it's it's one of those things that you just think i could have said that but you but you don't because somebody else has already yeah. done it which and a lot yeah, better yeah. but it's like the idea of putting a film on at nine half past nine or something and just thinking there's no way we're going to get through this and and the way that yeah. you you stretch it out over is it a good like 10 minutes that bit uh, yeah yeah well yeah it's about no it's about five minutes five minutes that bit, yeah yeah but just, and it's, <laughs> it is the dynamics of how people fall asleep with the nod and the getting the shot by J- the, like jfk being yeah, shot yeah, yeah, <laughs> it yeah, just kept kept yeah, yeah. You, you killed me on that i fucking love that bit. yeah 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 <laughs> it's I, I like that bit that was a new bit actually that, oh, that okay. was a newer bit so i'd workshop that but yeah that that came from that came from a phrase where genuine phrase where i said to Gemma, look there's um thingy on itv4 i can't remember what film it was it might have been yeah. the french connection or something i said ah oh, it's a brilliant film she's like no <laughs> I said, what do you mean? Went, We're not going to make it. And that's where it started. And we had a, a yeah. laugh and I went, I went, what do you mean? She went, well, it's, it's, put it on at nine, aren't they? I mean, it's just madness. <laughs> it's, just, yeah, yeah. And, and it's madness with that's the breaks and stuff. And then, I, and then I, from that point on, I was like, well, that's a routine, isn't it? That the, the fact that we've even, we're at that age now where we just discarded the idea of a film, <laughs> you know, it's too much, too much to deal with. Still makes me chuckle just thinking about it. Just thinking yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, you know, the pandemic struck us all. The world yeah. went to shit. I think yeah. comedy, the comedy world was hit 
the hardest with the music industry, I think, just because yeah. nobody were allowed inside and people started to diversify. When I, when I did my, a podcast with Tom Bins, he built a stage on top of his van. Yeah, I and did what, a gig on that. Did you? Yeah, wow. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so I, Yeah, go on. I was going to say, yeah, I, I uh, did, I think, one of the very first gigs on top of mm. that van in Howarth Car Park, Pond and uh. Mills. <laughs> So th- that's when you know comedians were desperate to do gigs, isn't it? We've got to be a car park in yeah. Pondon Mills in Howarth on a van. Yeah, I'm there. But Let's it, do that. But like, it, it just shows how much you need it as well, I suppose. Yeah, to, Amy, to, to he had a great setup. It. He had he, he had mics and stuff oh, yeah. and lights and a little rig. Oh, he knew what he was doing, old Tom. On he's, the on, he's, on the video version of the podcast, you can go back. He gives us a tour of his van and he climbs on top of it and that and. Yeah, it's yeah, just a proper stage on top and that, and he just ca- carried on entertaining people it, through the yeah, pandemic. It did, it, say, it. it did say to me, if the wind gets up, you know, I'm not liable. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah, have you, as I was climbing the ladder to go on, he went, have you got public liability? <laughs> good, good afternoon. Yeah. So we, we were doing those gigs to cars, which was yeah. like a, like doing Glastonbury, and you find out they just meant the car park. That was a weird thing. But uh, but yeah, it was it was great. It was really good. It was really good. So it must have hit yeah. the whole industry. How do you feel the industry is now? Things are starting to feel whatever normal is again. Yeah, it was weird. I think it was like everyone sort of, comedy in particular, got hit. And I think everyone, but it, what it did was it sort of brought the comedy, it got a sense of importance, really, mm. bizarrely. It sort of people actually thought, oh, God, we do need it. We do need it to get through things. And I think it brought a lot of people together. A lot of communities developed online that that um, wouldn't have been there before. Yeah. And uh, I think it's like it, it made it it made it made feel more like of a connection with people that maybe weren't, you would have never met otherwise if it wouldn't have been for I, the pandemic. I, I just think uh, comedians are kind of like the, and I heard, I heard this on, tell you somewhere they'll kind of like the canary in the mine um where the, the or if like a comedian or a court jester are the only people that can speak the truth in today's world sometimes uh, in yeah. front of the king or in front of the media or in front of a lot of people so i think yeah. i think the whole world missed a lot during the pandemic with all the bullshit that were going on and all the you know yeah. all the lies and all, all the whatever conspiracy theories you want to go with or you know surround yourself with the the whole world missed comedy um, yeah. because there wasn't those people out there yeah. tell, tell, and, <laughs> telling and I, people how it is. Yeah, and I think that's why I think a lot of us had to do something. So that's mm. why you saw a lot of people going online and mm. doing using technology. I mean, it's it was lucky in a weird way that it happened when we had the internet mm. and we had ability to connect with each other. I think if it had happened in the 80s, it would yeah. be bloody miserable. <laughs> Even worse, you know, yeah. I mean, what you got a box set of bird giraffe, that's it. <laughs> Once you've worn that out, you're back, you know, you can only watch that so many times, you know. So I think, I think that's the, that was the sort of thing is, is that, you know, yeah, I, I think, I think having the technology was, was wonderful, yeah. really. Well, look, loads of things <clears throat> came out of it. The shed show came out of it. Yeah, we've, I've got my hoodie here. There you go. From the show. Merch, but, official uh, yeah, merch. So, merch, merch. So we, we, yeah, so that was precisely one example mm. is that we, I sort of said, oh, I'm going to do a live stream from the shed. Never done that technology. I yeah. literally had to learn how to stream 
And I, I remember going on, downloading OBS and all this yeah. technology I've never encountered, reading tutorials. And I thought, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do a live gig from my shed. Didn't think any more of it. And then it just sort of it took off a bit. And then I, it sort of it was a chance for me and Gemma and my wife to do something together. And mm. so we, we did it regularly. I think we ended up doing like 58 through the yeah. lockdown, like an hour show every week, 58 hours of stuff. And it was just mad. It was just like, it was, an, it was a way of coping. And it was like battling my crap internet at the time, <laughs> uh, you know. And uh, it, But it, it sort of, it gave us that sort of chance to, I think, do something mm. different. And I think... I th- think it also we we had people watching that who'd never seen me do stand up and i think as a result i built a bit of a following afterwards and those people have come and seen me do live stand-up since it's oh we what we only saw you in the shed and and i think it was just yeah. it was just how things work i think it was a really good selling point comedian in a shed very easy to understand and i think i i needed to gig you know yeah well it it, it was great and it led to the advert of course the national advert i know yeah nationwide was a <laughs> nationwide, weird one that was it yeah, totally bizarre. And I think that again, they saw that and thought, "Oh, it's a uh, he's got a shed. Let's do this." And it's so weird how these things happen. Yeah. I, I've often said this pandemic for my career has been amazing. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I, if I'd have known, I'd have done it years ago. I'd have been in Wuhan chucking stuff about <laughs> in the lab. I'd have been eating bats in the wet markets. I'd have been doing everything because it's it's sort of <laughs> it, it, it's it, the world might have ground to a halt, but my career's flown. Yeah. I can't deny it. So, uh, but, but uh, yeah, so we did the advert for Nationwide, which again was totally surreal. I had to go to London and film it yeah. in a house in Fulham where they had to sort of kick a family out and pay for their house for the day. So I stood outside. So it was not my shed, you see. It's yeah. someone's shed next to someone's trampoline. And then I had to write a joke and do the joke. <laughs> and they went, right, that's it. See you later. And I went back. It was bizarre, totally bizarre, but great fun, you know, I'd, all these sort of things I've never done before, and well, I'm t- taking every opportunity. When, when I I did stand up for a year, I, I I didn't work hard enough at it and enjoy it enough to do it to carry on doing it. But opportunities came my way. I ended up doing a film from it. Um, mm. I started hosting music gigs because people saw, oh, you're a comedian, are you? Or you think you are, or whatever. Yeah. You can start doing other things, and I kind of fell into doing interviewing uh, back into hosting music gigs and fell back into music through comedy in a weird kind of way. So, so these kind of things, you know, put yourself out of your comfort zone, try new things and new things blossom from it, which yeah. is kind of. Yeah. You don't get anything. I don't think unless you, yeah. You don't get anything unless you take a risk. Yeah. That, that's, that's it. And I think that's where comics are sometimes a bit risk averse because comedians are like, even though we're outward and mm. sort of, you know, ex- in extroverts the reality is a lot of us are quite like oh you know yeah. you don't like promotion there's always that thing about for years comedians don't like self-promotion because you don't want to be seen as arrogant and you're like but now you have to realize that's the game you are yeah you are selling yourself you're selling yourself every night you stand on a stage so you've got to get on board with that um, uh, as unpalatable as that might sound you have got to accept that's part of the game and the apollo mate congratulations thank you yeah that what? Again, that was incredible, really. I mean, mm. I, I've dreamed dreamed of doing that show. Every comic does, yeah. you know, and I, I never saw it happening. I never, it came out of nowhere. I literally was asked to go and do a gig in London, tiny little gig, didn't know anything about it, didn't know the people that were in there. And then three weeks later, I got the call saying, you're recording in two weeks. It was just mad. Were there like so talent fast. scouts in there then? Yeah, yeah. Mm. And it was, it was so mad. And, and I... 
uh, it was the producer, Anthony Caveney, who's a lovely man and sort of like, he was like, you know, he, he wanted you to do it. And it was just, it was just so surreal. Yeah. And I still can't believe it in a weird way, mm. going down there, coming out under the sign and just sort of, just so unbelievable. So yeah, it was like a, a moment where I'm like, my God, it's actually, and it's so hard to stay in the zone, in the moment in there because you've done millions of gigs, yeah. but that's like, you know, as a comic, what that means. Uh, but I had such great fun. What and, was the uh, what was the day like building up? To, like you know, you're doing this thing later on in the day. Yeah. What that must have it, been it, horrendous. Yeah, it was hard. I didn't sleep much the night mm. before because it's sort of it's in your head. And then went down on the train, took Gemma with me, and you sort of there's a lot of hanging about. Yeah. That's what there is. There's a lot of hanging about, and then you sort of waiting to go on, and then you're on, and that's it. You you you. That's was it filmed in the afternoon, then, or was it at night? Or they do two, so we were in the mm. evening one. So right. we started at seven. Yeah, but yeah, we walk, I walked on stage. Must have been about half seven, and uh, yeah, you do actually do twenty minutes, which mm. they edit. Yeah, so <clears throat> it was just great, and the audience were brilliant, and you just have to play it like big, and you have to sort of use the stage and mm. stuff. It's not like you're shuffling in a little comedy club; you're in a huge space. So, uh, but yeah, it was just amazing, just a bucket list stuff, you know. Any kind of like funny stories from you know, behind the scenes from uh, it or anything? Well, like I was, that or anything I was, like? yeah, I was trying to stay focused, but it's really hard because you're sort of going like it's just another gig, yeah. and then it, I, as I said to myself, it's just another gig. I had like these personal these fans, like so if I said, they were like here around my ears, like this, <laughs> keeping my face cool because yeah. I had a hot flush. So I had I had fans like that. The makeup lady was putting shine on my face like this, and then. And then they were sort of saying, right, you know, um, your sushi's up there for when you come off. And I looked in the mirror as if to say, you've changed. You haven't even done this yet. Sushi, makeup lady, personal fans going. I'm in uh, London. You, I'm in London. Yeah, I'm in London. I'm in London, darling. Get me a cab. And uh, and then you, and when the sign came up, it's really hard to focus. And then you walk out under that sign, it's like walking through smoke. And then you go, oh, God. And then you're off. So it was great. It was great. Really good brilliant so how, how what was the reaction like after people it started to see you on, like even people on your street and that would think do you see scott on telly last night you must have had to go yeah, it, was, like, funny it, stuff it like was bizarre it was bizarre I, the, the really weird thing was obviously that we were meant to go out on november the 17th mm. that was when we were meant oh, okay. to be aired but then it didn't happen because bolton wanderers and stockport county went into extra time so they bumped Bastard. us to the following evening which was, so you imagine that 10 years of graft, get everyone round watching the telly and then you watch someone taking penalties for start. So my kids think I, I play up front for Stockport. They're really confused. Well, I, I thought daddy did jokes. And then, uh, but then my dad rang afterwards because right. he's a proper, he's a proper joker. And he just generally went, watched it, son. You are brilliant. Which made me laugh. Yeah. Just lied. You are brilliant. Well done. Brilliant. Excellent. You haven't watched it, have you, dad? Yeah, you haven't. Because it didn't happen. Oh right. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was it was great. And uh, well, yeah, it went out the following night. And the people it was great. And so it's yeah, it's been it's been oh, wonderful yeah. the response really. So just to finish off, uh, and I feel like I've been in your living room for the last couple of days, <laughs> Scott. And yeah. I've, it, it's it's weird because you know I've seen you on stage. I don't know you personally. But I feel like I do now because I've I've joined in with your brand new podcast. You're a comedian, of course. You've got a podcast now. You have to. It's the law, <laughs> literally the law. The, the, the comedians now get asked to be like, "When's your tour? What's your podcast?" <laughs> yeah. that's, the, that's the two things that you literally have to have a podcast now. Yeah. If you haven't got one, they give you one. 
They just go, here's your podcast. I don't know anything about rabbit reading. That's your podcast, mate. You've got to have a vehicle. Well, so, well, yeah, we've got one. In your description, it says that, you you know, you, you feel like you're not having conversations with Gemma anymore, your missus, and this this commits yeah. you to one hour a week, at least one hour a week of having a sit-down conversation with your missus, which it's a valuable it's, it's, thing. Cause I don't feel like I have proper conversations with my missus. I've, I've yeah. been married a lot of years, and it's it's important, and it's something you you – you don't, it's something you just let happen in it naturally sometimes. Yes. And so I think it ticks two boxes, basically. Mm. It's like our version of Relate, yes. which is free. And also we get a podcast out of it. Yes. So, in a really mercenary way, <laughs> it's, uh, we are catching up. We never really get a chance to speak. Yeah. And uh, we're trying to, you know, create something out of it. So, yeah, we do, we do genuinely uh, sit down for an hour yeah. on a Monday, record it on a Monday, sit down for an hour after the school run and we, chat but it's about an hour and a half and that's it <laughs> and then we go see you next week darling. <laughs> yeah. uh and and that's it so yeah we do chat it's called brew with the bennett's yeah. bwtb uh pod i'll uh, put a link to this podcast socials. as well so people can join you and get thank involved you, with it it's great so it's like oh thank you mate it's, it's early days i mean we've we've just i'm editing mm. episode three today yeah. uh and uh we've we've but we feel like Sometimes I think when you do ideas for stuff, yeah. like we had the shed thing and then we sort of come off the back of that and thought we want to do something else. We've always wanted to mm. do a podcast. And then with this one, it felt like one of those ideas, you know, when it comes out fully formed, yeah. you go like, oh, that's really good. Brew with the Bennett's. And I was like, oh, we'll do a photo shoot in dressing gowns with a logo and then we'll have a logo designed. And then, oh, I, I know Mickey tune, P. Kerr. A proper theme tune. Yeah, but Mickey, P. Per, Mickey P. Kerr, who is uh, a... Oh, who was on the guy from Leeds. Talent. The, yeah, the, from Leeds. Yeah. Uh, he, he, I said to him, can you do us a theme tune? He ah. did us like the Brew with the Bennett theme tune, which has got like a glam rock. It's a really good catchy tune. Yeah. And then he did us a few stings in between for um, for the for the edit points. Mm. And, I, and I thought, oh my God, this is actually coming together quite easily. I, sometimes yeah. you have ideas for things and it takes a long time. But this one yeah. is like, it's basically Sunday morning, we're marketing a podcast like a, it's Sunday, you've had your brew, put this on, stick it on for an hour. And we try, we try and do stuff. We have a laugh, obviously, but then yeah. I try and every week talk about something a bit thought provoking. I think that's the other thing that we try and chat about. So it's like, it's like a Sunday papers, <laughs> yes. but a funny version. So I, like, you know, this week we're talking about everything from the contraceptive coil to yeah. what is, makes the perfect gene <laughs> to uh, that, that, the clothing, not the human. Yes. And uh, the other thing we're talking about is um, adverts that irritate us. So there's yes. quite plenty in there. Well, so yeah, we're, we're on the first couple. Of, on the first couple of episodes, you've had anxiety dreams. Yeah, you've you've, you've had stuff up bums. Yeah, <laughs> stuff up bums, your... mate. It's <laughs> we're catering for everyone. You see, that's the <laughs> the kids. The, are, the kids are a big part of it. Of yeah, we've got the Guardian, and then we've got you know everything else. We're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be going. Everywhere we're gonna, it's yes. going to be like every span in the whole society. We want everyone to listen. So yeah, the, the plan is to just keep that rolling and then see where that takes us. But a lot of people have been really uh, good. They've downloaded it and uh, it's been really kind. So we're hoping to sort of build it. And then the plan is eventually, if, yeah. if it becomes what we want it to become, we do a little tour of it. Mm. You know, like a little, like a do small venues and then do a live podcast which is what most people do now in it let's yeah. be face let's face it but then Gemma's like mm, I'm not sure about the live you know <laughs> I like I don't mind sitting in the in the uh, dining room with you for an hour but uh I don't know about going on the road I think that's a bit too much we've done caravan and holidays and you know how they end yes. up but um 
So, so I think we, yeah, but we're going to have to move to Gemma's mum and dad's uh, house next right. couple of weeks because yes. we're having this knocked about. Okay. So we're going to be recording from a conservatory. So look out for that. From the in-laws That'll be as next well. Week. Tiny, tiny, uh, tiny little conservatory with a soundproof door. Uh, so we'll be in there on on uh, put up chairs, deck chairs. So do look out for that. Have you have you learned anything new about Gemma from doing it? I know you're quite new into it, but yeah, I'd, I'd probably learned that uh, she uh, goes to the toilet an awful lot during an hour. <laughs> and it just seems to go through uh, constantly pro- pausing that yes. frigging podcast. It makes a nightmare <laughs> to edit. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> She she's been yeah we've we've done so much together really so uh, you sort of learn about your relationships but I quite like Gemma's the what I love about it is she's just totally honest if I'm annoying her she'll yeah. say it if I'm not you know so it, it's it it is becoming a, a learning experience she hasn't told me anything that I didn't already know which is I'm irritating <laughs> and I wang on way too long about inconsequential nonsense so that's good to know does she have a comedy background herself yeah so she she okay. did. Um, She's done performance before. She's okay. done like theatre, and oh. she was she went singing. She was like in a singing group that went round Europe when she was younger. She's a really good singer, mm. and so she sort of performed to an element. Not done stand up, but um, but yeah, she's got knows comedy like me, and uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been great. So so easy to work with, and I think as well, it, it there's so many podcasts which is two male comedians chatting. Mm or males chatting. And I think having your wife involved is gives it an extra mm. edge and a balance and stops it, stops it getting too sort of laddy or too, you know, uh, dirty. For, I don't know who it would, <laughs> but you know I mean? It stops it going yeah. a little bit too, too far. Like where, whereas Gemma sort of has that really good sorbet to it and, yeah. and brings sort of a real balance to it and uh, puts me in my place as I'd need to be. So we can, we can physically see the, um, yeah. the mechanics of her making you a better person. Absolutely, mate. It is therapy, <laughs> therapy, and also improvement, life, yes. life coaching. <laughs> really. in one go. Well, Scott, I really appreciate your time. Um, Thank thanks you, for joining mate. us for the podcast today, mate. I wish you all the best. I'm going to um, yeah, I presume, uh, have you got some tour dates coming up and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. I have, mate. Yes, yeah, so it's scottbennettcomedy.co.uk. Yes, I'll put, that, uh, I'll put a link on the yeah, podcast for everybody. We got, I've got, I'm doing a Greatest Hits tour starting mm. in May uh, called Great Scott, which is going to be like 10 years, all my favourite routines, mm. uh, which will be really good. I'm actually going to come, it's going to carry on into 2023. So I haven't got a Sheffield date in there yet, but we'll be doing mm. the lead mill in 23. But there'll also nice. be... Um, there's Manchester Stoller Hall. There's Leeds Warehouse. There's got, I'm going to go all over. So there's, nice. that's on sale now. So that starts in May. We have a little break, then pick it up in the in the autumn. Excellent. So it's very I'll exciting. I'll come to the Manchester one and the Leadmill one. Thank you. Um, oh, thank I, you. I really enjoy you, um, you, you, you as an artist. And I've, Thanks, from, from seeing you all those days back at Upstairs and the Grapes, where you were I'll headlining start. and you were amazing then, just to see where you are now performing everything. Have I, have I bigged you up enough? That's, I started with the grapes. That's all you need <laughs> started, to say. Yeah, you started, started with the grapes. With the grapes. Right. And I was there. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, you Cheers. were there. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Have a great Bye. day. Thank um, you. Cheers, Cam. Cheers, Bob. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks to Scott for joining us down on the podcast. Great insights to life on the road as a comedian. Uh, headlining gigs now, live at the Apollo. Thanks, mate. Do check out his podcast. Do buy tickets for his tour. Uh, the link are in the description. So just just a quick click. Go to the description of wherever you're reading or listening to the podcast right now. Click on the link. Have a look. 
buy a ticket, treat yourself. Sorted. What you can do is, uh, I know a lot of bands listen to this podcast as well, and uh, there's a lot of support for bands in the archives of this podcast, so delve in and enjoy. Loads of industry chat and uh, people chatting about all the different things that go on in the industry. Loads of tips for you to progress in marketing, management, photography, communication, all these type of things. And what you can do as well, another free gift from RGM, is that you can get a free 30-day trial of Ditto to publish your music. So in the link of the podcast, click on the link. It helps you reach more fans to a global audience. You know, it gets you on Spotify, Apple Music, Apple, Amazon, all those type of places. TikTok. You keep 100% of the royalties bands, which is, and the rights to your music, which not a lot of, not a lot of them do. And Ditto believe, like RGM do, that artists should stay independent, completely control your own careers, and not be town, tied down to unfair deals and shady industry contacts. So, have a try. 30-day free trial. Just click on the link through Ditto, our partners for the podcast. And just in general, enjoy yourself in life, eh? Be the first to know what's going on on the RGM Podcast by following us on Twitter, at RGM Pod. Subscribe on YouTube as well, all the interviews go up on there. So you can check out us talking in face-to-face on the podcast, it's all recorded on video there for you too. Next week's guests, we're not going to let you know. I think we've been letting you in on the secret a bit too much. So we're just going to... They are booked. They aren't recorded yet. So, you know, anything could happen next week. But So um, I like to tease you a little bit more and go on to Twitter and you'll find out next rather than me spoil you. Yep, Abby Carmeloni, thanks for joining us for another podcast, guys. It's very much appreciated. Like and subscribe. Give us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Share it with your mates on Danos on them uh, WhatsApp groups and that. Have a good week, earn a few quid, and we'll see you next week. Cheers, guys. Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe. Tell a friend about our show. And thank you for your support. And we'll see you next week.